0: section five of lives of the ancient philosophers this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org lives of the ancient philosophers by francois fenelon section five solon part two solon used to say to his friends that at sixty years of age a man ought neither to fear death nor complain of the ills of life that courtiers were like counters used in calculating for that they represented more or less accordingly as the fancy of the monarch chose to place them that those who were admitted into the confidence of princes Ought not to advise them to what might be most agreeable, but what was most fitting for them. That we can have no better guide of conduct than our reason, and that we ought neither to say nor do anything without consulting it. That a man's probity is more to be regarded than his oath. That friendships ought not to be contracted on light foundations, but that when once formed they could not be broken without danger that the safest and quickest way of repelling injury was to forget it that no man ought to attempt to command until he shall have learned to obey that falsehood ought to be treated with universal abhorrence and finally that the gods ought to be honored parents reverenced and no intercourse held with the wicked solon perceiving that pisistratus was forming a large party in athens and taking steps to secure the sovereignty to himself used his utmost efforts to frustrate his measures assembling the people in the market-place he appeared among them completely armed and unfolded to them the design of pisistratus athenians said he i am wiser than those who are ignorant of the base intentions of pisistratus and braver than those who are acquainted with them and yet from fear and pusillanimity dare not venture to oppose them i am ready to put myself at your head and gladly will i expose my life in defence of liberty the people, however, being inclined to look favorably upon Pisistratus, treated Solon in this instance as if they still believed him to be deprived of reason. Some days after, Pisistratus wounded himself, and whilst the blood was yet streaming from him, he gave orders to be taken in that condition into the middle of the marketplace. And gave out that his enemies had treacherously fallen upon him and reduced him to the miserable state in which they saw him. The populace immediately fired at this declaration and were ready to take up arms in favor of Pisistratus. O oh, son of Hippocrates, said Solon to him, you play the part of Ulysses very well. He wounded himself to deceive his enemies, but you wound yourself to deceive your friends the people however had all assembled together pisistratus desired to have a guard of fifty men solon warmly remonstrated against so dangerous an innovation pointing out to his countrymen all the evil consequences with which it might be fraught but his arguments had no effect on the infatuated populace who not only gave pisistratus a guard of four hundred men but also granted him leave to raise troops for the purpose of making himself master of the citadel the chief citizens were struck with consternation at this measure and everyone whatever party he might belong to began to think of retiring solon remained undaunted and reproached the citizens with their baseness and cowardice it was easy for you to have prevented this tyranny from ever taking place said he but there will be the more glory for you now that it is established in abolishing and extirpating it entirely when he saw that all he could say had no effect in recovering his countrymen from the panic that had seized them he went home took his arms carried them to the door of the senate house and resting them against it exclaimed o oh, my beloved country i have served thee both in word and deed to the utmost of my power i take the gods to witness that i have neglected nothing in defence of thy liberties and laws but now i stand alone in my opposition to the tyrant all my countrymen are willing to acknowledge him as their master therefore i depart i leave thee for ever solon being unable to conquer his repugnance to obeying pisistratus and fearing that the athenians might even compel him to alter his own laws notwithstanding that they had bound themselves by oath to observe them preferred rather a voluntary exile from his native country with the pleasure of travelling and increasing his knowledge of the world than to lead an unpleasant life at athens he accordingly travelled into egypt where he resided some time at the court of amasis pisistratus held salon in the highest estimation and was much hurt at his thus estranging himself from his native country in order to attempt him to return he wrote him the following conciliatory epistle i am not the first greek who has been invested with the sovereignty of his country nor can i think that i am acting in any respect against the laws or against religion i am descended from codrus and the athenians solemnly swore that they would preserve the kingdom for his posterity one of my chief cares is to see that your laws shall be carried into execution with more exactness than if the state were governed by the populace i am contented with the taxes as i found them already established and with the exception of such honours as are due to the dignity of my station i am in no way to be distinguished from the humblest citizen i harbour not the slightest resentment against you for having laid open my designs i am persuaded that in so doing you were influenced by love for your country rather than by enmity towards me and this because you could not possibly know beforehand how i might conduct myself for had you known it you probably would not have disapproved of my enterprise you may return then with the most perfect confidence for rest assured that solon can never have anything to fear from pisistratus even those whom i have considered as my enemies have never experienced any rigor of resentment from me but you i am willing to regard as my best friend and you shall be always treated by me with the utmost consideration because i know you to be incapable of any breach of faith nevertheless should you have any private reasons that may prevent your returning to athens i shall be satisfied with your taking up your abode in any spot that may be agreeable to you i shall be contented provided i know myself not to be the occasion of your exile to this letter solon made the following reply i can believe that you intend me no ill for until you became a tyrant i was your friend nor ought i to be reckoned less so now than any other person who detests tyranny i leave to every one the free right of forming his own opinions whether it be more desirable for athenians to be governed by one absolute ruler or by the authority of a certain number of magistrates i am willing to acknowledge that among tyrants you may be the best but i cannot think of returning to athens for after having established a free government in that city and refused the sovereignty that was offered to me i might with reason be blamed and accused of favoring your usurpation should i appear contented to live under it solon wrote another letter to epimenides in the following words as my laws were not destined to produce any lasting service neither has any essential benefit resulted to athens from the transgression of them it is not in the power of legislators or even of the gods themselves to serve a state except those by whose direction it is governed are actuated by good intentions my laws have been of no avail but those who have violated them have ruined the republic by suffering pisistratus to usurp the sovereign power i foretold all that has happened but i was not believed Pisistratus, by flattering the Athenians, made them think him more attached to their interests than I was, because I told them the truth. I offered to put myself at the head of the citizens in order to prevent the evils that have now come to pass, but I was treated as a madman, whilst to Pisistratus they granted guards, through whose assistance he has brought the whole city into bondage. WHAT THEN REMAINS FOR ME BUT TO WITHDRAW MYSELF?" Croesus, KING OF LYDIA, HAVING RENDERED ALL THE ASIATIC GREEKS TRIBUTARY TO HIM, MANY OF THE MOST POWERFUL PEOPLE OF THAT AGE LEFT GREECE, ON ONE PRETEXT OR ANOTHER, AND WENT TO RESIDE AT SARDIS, THE CAPITAL OF THE EMPIRE OF Croesus. THAT CITY WAS THEN FLOURISHING IN WEALTH AND HONOR, croesus heard everybody speak of solon in such high terms that he conceived a great desire to see him accordingly he sent him an invitation to come and take up his abode at his court solon returned the following answer i fully appreciate the friendship which you have manifested for me and i can call the gods to witness that if i had not long since resolved to live only in a free state i would prefer your kingdom to athens itself whilst pisistratus continues to exercise his tyrannic sway in that city but the modes of life which i have adopted are to be enjoyed in tranquillity only in a place where all are on equal footing i shall nevertheless pay you a visit in order to have the pleasure of spending some time with you solon accordingly set out to sardis at the request of croesus who manifested the greatest impatience to see him in passing through lydia he met a number of persons of consideration with magnificent trains of attendants he imagined of every one he saw that he must be the king himself at length he was ushered into the presence of croesus whom he found eagerly expecting him Seated on his throne and arrayed in his most gorgeous apparel, Solon betrayed no astonishment at the sight of so much splendor. My guest said Croesus, fame has spoken of thy wisdom. I know that thou hast traveled far and near, and hast thou ever yet beheld one arrayed in robes so rich as mine? Yes, replied Solon. Peacock pheasants and dunghill cocks are arrayed in richer still the brilliancy of theirs is the free gift of nature and they have no trouble in putting them on croesus was amazed at an answer so unexpected he commanded his attendants to lay all his treasures open before solon and display whatever he had most precious in his palace after this he invited him a second time into his presence have you ever seen said he to him a man more fortunate than myself yes replied solon i esteem tellus to be a more fortunate man he lived respected as an athenian citizen in a well-regulated republic he has left behind him two children comfortably provided for and much esteemed And he himself died sword in hand and in the act of achieving a victory for his native country. The Athenians have paid the most distinguished honors to his memory and have raised a monument to him in the very place where he lost his life. Croesus was not less astonished at this reply than he had been at the former one. He now began to imagine Solon was not so wise as he had fancied well said he and who may be the next happy man in your estimation after tullus they were formerly answered he two brothers the name of one was gliobus and of the other their strength was such that they always bore away the palm of victory in whatever combats they might engage and their attachments to each other was perfect one day it being a festival their mother who was a priestess of juno was obliged to go to the temple in order to offer sacrifice some delay occurred with respect to bringing the oxen for her chariot the time drew near they came not and cleobas and beto therefore yoked themselves to the car and drew their mother to the place of her destination the people loaded them with benedictions and their mother transported with joy supplicated the goddess to grant them whatever would be most advantageous for them when the sacrifice was finished they made a cheerful repast went to bed and both of them died that same night croesus could not hide his indignation how he exclaimed do you allow no place for me than among the number of the happy o king of lydia replied solon you possess abundant riches and rule over many nations but human life is subject to so many vicissitudes that it is impossible to decide on the happiness of any man's career until it shall be at an end every day some unexpected change of circumstance occurs this we all experience how then shall we say on whose brows the wealth of victory shall be placed until the combat itself be finished this view of the subject did not render it more agreeable to croesus he gave solon leave to depart and never again expressed a desire to behold him aesop who was in that time in sardis having been sent for to that city to amuse the king was much mortified at the reception which the monarch had given to a man so distinguished as solon we must either never approach princes said he to him or else we must resolve only to tell them what they may be satisfied to hear on the contrary said solon whenever they are approached it ought to be with good counsel on the lips nor ought they ever to hear anything but the truth cyrus had detained his maternal grandfather astyages in imprisonment and had deprived him of his territories croesus was angry at this conduct and taking up arms for astyages made war upon persia possessed of immense resources and seeing himself at the head of a nation esteemed the most warlike in the world he fancied he must carry everything before him nevertheless he was defeated with considerable loss and being obliged to retreat to sardis he was besieged in that city and made prisoner after a resistance of fourteen days he was taken before cyrus who commanded him to be loaded with chains and burnt along with fourteen lydian youths in the presence of the king and all the persians he was immediately raised upon the summit of a pile of wood and bound in the midst of his fellow-sufferers at the moment that the pile was about to be fired croesus in this deplorable situation recollected the discourse he had formerly held with solon sighing bitterly he exclaimed "O solon 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 cyrus was surprised and inquired if it were some god whom he thus invoked in his misfortunes croesus at first made no reply but being compelled to speak i called said he on one whom kings ought to have always near them and whose converse they ought to value above all their pomp and riches he was urged to explain himself more particularly i mean a wise man of greece he continued whom i formerly sent for expressly to dazzle him with the sight of my magnificence He told me calmly, as if willing to convince me that it was all merely empty vanity, that I must wait for the end of my life and not presume too much on the happiness of my existence, subjected in its very nature to an infinite number of calamities. It is now that I feel the full force of all that he said to me. Whilst Croesus was yet speaking, the pile had been kindled, and the flames were beginning to rise cyrus was touched with his words the deplorable condition of a prince once so powerful made him look into his own heart he dreaded lest some similar reverse of fortune might be in store for himself he ordered that the flames should be immediately extinguished and the chains of croesus taken off he then conferred all possible honors upon him and consulted him on all matters of importance after leaving croesus solon had retired into cilicia where he built a city which he named solo learning that pisistratus maintained his sway in a very oppressive manner and that the athenians greatly repented of not having opposed his usurpation solon wrote to them in the following words you act with great injustice in accusing the gods as being the cause of your calamities whatever you may be suffering you have only to blame your own instability and folly in not listening to the counsels of those who were well-wishers to their country and in suffering yourselves to be cajoled by the fine speeches and artful schemes of one who meant only to deceive you granted pisistratus permission to levy troops for his guard And your reward is that you will be held in bondage by them for the remainder of your days. Periander, the tyrant of Corinth, wishing for the advice of Solon, laid open to him the situation of his affairs and entreated that he would counsel him how to act. Solon returned him the following answer You write to me that a number of persons have conspired against you but could you even cut off all those whom you suspect of being your enemies you would not find your safety rest on much surer grounds those whom you now consider as your friends will next lay snares for you some will distrust you on your own account others will be offended with you for the distrust you may evince of them others again will think that in aiming a blow at your life they render a lasting benefit to their country the surest way to make yourself easy is to renounce the government entirely but if you have not resolution to give it up then call in foreign troops sufficiently numerous to keep the country in awe by which means you may rid yourself of your alarms and moreover you will not be reduced of the necessity of banishing your own subjects. Solon, after this, travelled through Cyprus. He formed a friendship in that country with Philocyprus, king of Aipia. This city stood in a very barren part of the country. Solon advised Philocyprus to transfer the site of it to a more favourable situation he chose a lovely and fertile plain and superintended the building of it in person the result was as favorable as could be desired and philo cyprus out of gratitude to him called the city Solo. solon throughout his life was no enemy to pleasure he liked social entertainments music and everything that could contribute to render life happy but he disliked representations wherein the sole object was to please by uttering popular sentiments he thought them pernicious to the republic and likely to breed dissensions in the state at the time that solon was held in the greatest estimation at athens Thespis began to act tragedies in his own composition the people were mightily delighted with them as they were a species of entertainment entirely new solon who was fond of amusement went one day to see him perform when all was over he asked thespis if he was not ashamed to utter so many falsities in the face of the world not at all replied thespis for i mean only to amuse by them and not to injure yes returned solon forcibly striking the ground with his stick but if we admit falsehood into our amusements and treat it as a jest we shall soon find it creeping into our public business and most serious actions it was some time after this that pisistratus had recourse to the stratagem of presenting himself wounded and bleeding to the people solon then exclaimed in allusion to these theatrical representations this is one of the fatal evils which may be traced to the foolish fictions i condemned by some the establishment of the areopagus has been attributed to solon it was a council composed of such as had passed through every gradation of office in athens solon was asked one day what state he thought the best regulated that said he wherein men without being any way injured themselves resent any injury done to another as warmly as if they had been the sufferers of it towards the latter part of his life solon began a poem on the island of atlantis which had been described to him whilst he was in egypt as situated beyond the known ocean death however prevented the completion of his design he breathed his last in cyprus in the fifty-fifth olympiad and about the eightieth year of his age before he expired he gave orders that his bones should be carried to salamis and burnt and the ashes scattered over the face of the country after his death the athenians erected a statue of bronze to his memory which represented him with his code of laws in his hand and habited as a prince of the people the inhabitants of salamis likewise erected one of him in the attitude of an orator haranguing the people and with his hands concealed in the folds of his robe end of section five